series on, on relationships, um, and it's taken a little bit of a different twist than, than when we first started. I really, like as I started this, what started out as one point in the first message um, has really kind of, uh, you know, snowballed and is now kind of, uh, you know, taken over the series. And that is, we're looking at the, the Ten Commandments. We're looking at, at that document, that, that peace treaty, that that idea of thoughts and guidelines that God gave us that are designed to establish healthy, authentic relationships between us and God and between us and each other. And every week I, on, on Tuesday or Monday when I start studying for, you know, putting the, the, the outline together for the next week, I intend on getting through like a whole chunk of, of these commandments. And so far... Um, it's going the opposite way. Today we're only going to handle one. Every week it seems to be getting getting less. Um, but there's just so much in these. I, I just feel like we have to give them give them the, the the importance. There's so much in these these guidelines that can really transform our relationship with the Lord and, and transform our relationships with each other. Um, so we're just gonna we're just gonna take as long as it takes. All right. <laughs> uh, today, our, 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 our verse, our command, we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Um, you shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain, for the Lord will, hold him, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Um, you know, this, this verse centers around our understanding of of. Of what in what's in you know like Shakespeare what's in a name, <laughs> and names are, are are important. They they are more than just uh, something we use to to refer to someone. What a name becomes the embodiment of that person's character, right? If I, if I throw a name out there, it's more than just a person. There's a whole, there's a, if you know them, there's a whole history of things that kind of get associated with that name, right? If I say Tom Brady, you don't just think of, uh, you know, a, whatever he is, six foot brown haired dude, right? You think of winning, you think of football, you think of um, excellence, right? Hall of Fame. Cheater, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna start. A, I'm gonna start a holy war. Um, whatever it is that you associate with, with him gets immediately brought up when the name is revealed, right? And that's true of that's true of every every person that you have any sort of real relationship with. The name carries more meaning than just referring to the to to a to a face. Um, this this verse, this command, you know, sometimes we, we oversimplify this command and, and to some degree, not fully take it out of context, but but kind of. Um, when we when we look at this and we say, you know, take the Lord's name in vain, and we kind of refer to, to to cussing. Like don't say bad words, right? Don't 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 have a potty mouth. And you can make you can you can follow the logic and get there with this verse, but this is not what this verse is talking about. Right. This, whether you you use the word poop or crap or something worse, was not God's primary concern. Was not the third most important command to live your life that He was giving you. Right. 
<laughs> so there, there's, there's more to this. This is what I call an iceberg verse. You know, iceberg, because 90% of the mass of this thing is below the surface. It's not just a, a, a and all of the commandments are like that as, as we go through them, you'll see. But this command is about handling the name of God. And to understand what God is saying here, we first have to understand the importance of his name and even more so how important his name is to himself. See, in the ancient Near East, the, when the, the time and the place that, that these were written, um, their culture was, was different than ours in, kind of, in several, but one fundamental way, and that is we are largely in the West, we are largely what is considered a guilt and innocence-based society. This culture, and, and, and even today in the, in the East, and many Eastern countries, um, they are what is considered an honor or shame-based society. And, and the, while there's a lot of similarities, and we don't have time to, to go into all of it, um, one of the fundamental differences is this idea that we tend to focus on guilt or innocence, and it's an individualistic kind of thing. It's independent from other people right? I, we, it's a sentiment, it's an understood kind of value that what matters the most to me is that I know I'm innocent. That's not true in, in many cultures. In, many, in an honor-based culture, what matters the most is what the group decides you are. We don't like that. Right, we, we we don't like that. Our 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 um our value system is is different. We 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 think it matters it matters the most to who I know I am and what I really did and and whether I really did the thing or didn't do the thing. It doesn't matter if, if you think so or not. This this would have been a completely foreign and wrong concept to the Israelites, to the people that this was written to, because for them. It was all about the honor. Who you were was decided by your tribe, by your group, by your nation. And it's into this, this world, this context, that God is talking about his name. See, honor was given based on the importance the person had in society. It was referred to as the person's, uh, the, kind of the, a more literal translation of honor it was the person's weight. It was not nearly as offensive back then to, to, to say how heavy is somebody. <laughs> Their primary concern, in fact, it was actually the opposite. Um, it's literally, this concept is stemmed from the, uh, the ability of the wealthy to, to have enough resources to gain weight. Like that's, that's kind of how this came, how, you know, the weight of somebody was like, oh, well, if, you must be doing pretty well if you can afford to eat more than you need. This is even true in some, some current honor-based cultures that are around. There, there are some countries in the, in the East that a man's gut <laughs> is referred to as his authority. And the word fat is the same word they use for healthy. And the word skinny is the word they use for sick. I don't know. I may take issue with that. I think the Italians invented that one. If you ever went to my grandma's house, man, eat. Would you? 
you're all, because I, I was a skinny kid, she was always yelling at me. I mean, I love to eat, but I could not get through the kitchen without her, here, salami, eat spaghetti, where's the chicken? This is where, it's, but it's this idea of, of, of he- heaviness where we actually get our concept for the word glory. It's a central theme in the Old Testament that God's focus is on the preservation of his name, on his glory. I'm sure you, several, many verses come to mind. Over and over and over again, we talk about the glory of God. When we talk about that, we're talking about his, the weight of his name, the, the honor that is wrapped up in who he is. And this is, a, this is kind of one of the vital things that we see consistently throughout Scripture that God is on the top of his agenda in his dealings with us. Uh, just a couple of verses to kind of highlight this. Isaiah 48, 11 says, I will rescue you for my sake. Yes, it is for my own sake. I will not let my reputation be tarnished. I will not share my glory with idols. Psalms 23, a famous passage, he says, David writes, he restores my soul. He leads me by paths of righteousness because I'm a nice guy. Oh, it doesn't say that. Look, it, it's for his name's sake. Psalms 25, 11 says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. And this one, David is, David is asking forgiveness, not based, on, not, even, not based on his own deservedness of it, not based on anything else other than God's interest in his own reputation. Psalms 31.3 says, For you are my rock, my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, God, lead me and guide me. In Deuteronomy 9, there's a story, we don't have time to read the whole thing, but um, the Israelites mess up really, really bad, and, and God is fed up with them, and he tells Moses that he's going to just do a do-over. He's like, these people are out of control, I'm going to just wipe them out, and we'll just start over with you. And Moses, caring for, his, caring for his, his brethren, pleads with God not to do this. And the, the argument he makes, the winning argument, is not based on how much God loves them. It's not based on how good they can be or their potential or anything else. It's only based on the fact that God needed to preserve his name. The argument he gives is, oh God, what will the people say? Your name will be, your name will be tarnished. Your name, you'll, you'll be disrespected if you do this. And this isn't just an Old Testament thing. Um, sometimes we oversplit these things. But you see, it, it's, it's in the New Testament too. 1 John 2.12 says, I write to you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Even our mission in Christ, the great, the, the great commission we see in Matthew 19 is, is tied to this concept. Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake 
shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Everything is tied to God's concern for his own name. God cares deeply about what his name is and that it's held in the place that is special and higher above anything else because that's where it belongs. He cares because until that name is put where it belongs, we can't have an authentic relationship with God. It's one of the fundamental first steps if we're ever going to see God, know God, understand him, and, and be able to communicate and serve him properly, is that his name gets put where it belongs. It was understood that how you handle someone's name reflected a lot about who you thought them to be. How you used the person's name was an extension of how much you honored the person. This is still, to some degree, and we're not quite as ritualistic, but this is, to some degree, still true of us. How you handle somebody's name reflects the amount of honor or respect you feel they are, they are due. And so, some of this is, is more overt, you know, someone you don't like, maybe you don't. You ever notice... Um, not to get political, I'll keep it general. But you ever notice in politics, depending, you can tell right away, if you've never met a person before, especially, you know, maybe on the news or whatever, you can tell what affiliation they are just by, depending on which party they're talking about, how they choose to refer to that person. Right? If it's, if, if it's a, a Democratic pundit talking about a Republican president or a Republican, you know, senator or whatever, it'll be, you know, like Frank. They'll just, oh, Frankie boy, you know. But if it's one of their own guys, Mr. Senator, blah, 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 blah. And that's both ways. I should probably just say that. That's not, nobody has the... Uh, has the market on that. That is unilaterally accepted as kind of just the way they do business. And it's kind of the way we do business too. We are very comfortable dishonoring people. Using people's names in ways that are, um, they are equal to the amount of honor and respect we think we should give them. More on that later. So when we read Exodus uh, 27, it says, you shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain, for the Lord will not, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God is telling us that if we want to have a meaningful relationship with him, we must use his name properly. The uh, NLT, I think, I, I like the translation they use. Um, it's, we don't say it this way because we kind of mostly memorize the Ten Commandments, you know, in the more NIV, New King James version of it. But, but the NLT uh, version of it, I think, gets to the heart of what God's saying a little more accurately. It says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Then the Lord... then." the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So what are some ways that we misuse the name of the Lord? It's a good, good question. Good, if we can answer that, we can avoid it, and then we don't get punished. And well, that's 
kind of, you know, a good thing, I think, to not have the Lord needing or desiring to punish you. Um, so let's, let's, let's see what we can avoid. Um, there's, there's two kind of ways I want to talk about today, and I, I thought maybe the most helpful way to understand these is to kind of put them in modern criminal terms. All right, so these are ways that we, two ways we misuse his name. And the first one, I would say, uh, it's probably best described as forgery. Forgery, we forge his name. Forgery is an unauthorized use of a person's name, authority, or resources. This is, uh, this is identity theft. Someone gets a hold of your, inf- your personal information and opens an account in your name and uses your name to whatever they're going to do. Buy stuff, rent a car, you know, cost you money. Take what's not yours based on the authority of your name that they didn't have any right using. We, do, we can do this with the name of the Lord the church has, has a history of this. The, the American church, one of, one of the most egregious examples of this, you could see in, in, um, in the early American church where scripture was pulled out of context, twisted, isolated, reformed to justify the slavery of other human beings. And not just to do it, but to use scripture to put God's name on it to say that he said it was okay. That's a forgery of scripture. That's taking God's name and putting on something he wanted his name nothing to do with. We see this in in a kind of a funny example in scripture. um, There's a story where uh, a group of guys see, uh, I think it was Peter, um, might have been Paul, uh, casting out demons. And uh, they're like, that's going. They wanted to do this thing too. So they, they go, and I'm making a really long story short. Uh, they go and they, they come across this, this uh, demon-possessed person and they try and cast out the demon. They say, you know, in the name of Jesus who Paul knows, come out. And the, the demon turns and looks at them and says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, well, who are you? And then it, te- and then proceeded to beat the clothes off the guys. <laughs> they were trying to use a name that they were not authorized to use, That's good. and their punishment came swiftly. We see this in modern, in some modern day theology, where for the sake of simplicity and palatability, we reduce. Theology, we reduce the gospel to a get rich quick scheme. We make it so simple that it can all be encapsulated in a 20 minute message, and you have three things you can do and guarantee, you know, not only eternal salvation, but the, you know, that that your new car is on its way in the driveway. This is not the gospel. And when we reduce the gospel to something that it's not, 
we are putting his name on something that isn't right. We do this, some, some of us do, do this um, in, our, in our own lives where, uh, <laughs> uh, I know no, there's no one here, but there are people I have met in life long ago. Um, you ever get an argument with someone or, or have discussions with someone in your life and you get to a point in the conversation and then the answer, the, the rebuttal or, or the re- reply, more often than not, it always ends up coming back to, well, God said. That's like the trump card, right? Well, God, well, if God said it, I mean, what can I say? There is a temptation to use his name in our personal lives and in things that, that, that are subjective, right? Now listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to us. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But when we speak, again, it's this idea that we are just way too comfortable with using God's name at time. When we say God said, you better have a real thoughtful prayer, prayed out conviction that it was the God of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, Jesus who died for your sins that had impressed that upon you. If the conversation you're in trying to convince the person that God said, that that you're trying to convince that God said it to you, is taking longer than the amount of time that you listened for God to say it, the math on that may not be great. I'll stop there. (laughs) Another example of forgery, and this one is... Nails on a chalkboard to, to, to most of us and with, with good, um, good reason. You ever watch an award show and, um, you know, so-and-so gets up on stage, the Grammys or something, and they're, they're so humble, you know, and I just want to thank God for the, the giftings he's put in me. And, 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 all, and, and all this. And then as they walk off, you know, the, the announcer comes on. That was so-and-so for their song, Booty, Booty, Booty. You know, like. <laughs> this is using God's name. You're putting his name on something he don't want his name on. Now, that's an extreme example But we can do that in our lives as well. We can give God, we can try and give God credit for something that he didn't want us involved in in the first place. You know, you're in hock up to your ears for that sweet new ride in the driveway and you just thank God for it. He may not have said, hey, lease your soul for a car that's worth half of what it was yesterday. 
forgery. Second type. So forgery is an unauthorized use of a person's name or authority. Second one we're going to talk about is, for lack of a better term, copyright infringement. It's kind of the, kind of the opposite. Putting your name on someone else's work. Here at church, we have, um, you know, we do, we do a lot of music that we didn't write, and there are laws that govern that, right? And so we have to buy licenses to be able to put the words up and to, to play the music. We have to have a license to, to, you know, when we went online, we had to figure out it's a whole new world now. There's all, this, all these other licenses you have to get to stream the music, Matter of fact, they just released this new one where you can, because you can, you have to buy, <laughs> nickel and dime you, you know, you have to buy the rights to be able to play the music yourself, but then there's another license you have to buy to be able to play their recording of the music. So if you want like a backtrack or we want to play music, um, you know, before or after service, that's like the original, the original music, that's a separate license that you have to buy. Because these are pre-agreed upon, these are, are the things that allow the artist, the owner of, of the, the original work, to get credit and to get paid for what it is that they did. Copyright infringement is when you go around those laws, is when you claim something of your own that someone else did, or you use something and claim it as your own. We do this in our own lives when we take credit for what God has done in our life. Are there times where you are receiving glory that you should be turning that spotlight back on Jesus? Using the gifts and the resources he has given you and claim them for your own. Now this is this is really this comes down to an issue of not the pur- purpose of the question is not to make you feel guilty, um, because this is not a always a black or white issue. Because in one sense, like everything we have, everything we are, everything we can do is in, is in one sense or another empowered by God, right? And so what I, if you take it, you can take it to a, a ridiculous end where, you know, you can't, you can't do anything or, or acknowledge anything for anyone, you know. Um, someone passes you the song, well, I just thank God for, you know, the ability to give you that because he gave me this arm. And I'm not saying we have to be like, be like that because that can be disingenuous. But the question, if, but we should have in our lives a regular habit of asking ourselves this question, not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake of letting the Holy Spirit show us the opportunities, the moments, the places in our life that God wants us to highlight his activity before those around us. Using gifts and resources he's given us and claiming them as our, as our own is a, is a dangerous thing. When we use them outside of our license agreement is another way we can violate. 
When God has given us a gift that he has put inside us and he wants that gift to be used to advance the kingdom and the only thing we're doing with that gift is personal gratification or personal edification or notoriety. God has put things in you that he wants to get out of you and he wants to get the glory for putting them in you. Are there ways in which you are violating or misusing God's gifts by not not using them according to the licensing agreement that we find in Scripture? Are you misusing a relationship? Are you misusing a gift or a talent? You say, you know, if, if I was honest, this... I have this ability and, and I've, either, I'm, I'm, I've either squashed it or I only use it for my own, my own pleasure. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with getting pleasure from using the gifts and abilities and interests that God has, has put inside you. He wants us to enjoy those gifts. They're good gifts. That's why he gave them to us. But we also have to acknowledge that we are stewards of the gift that they're not ours. And so the primary focus of those has to be a relinquishment back to him. And say, God, you gave me this. What do you want me to do with it? But here's the good news. I promise you, when when you do that, a gift is never more enjoyable than when you're using it the gift that he gave you in the way that he gave you for the purpose that it was intended. Because when we misuse it to bring the focus on ourselves, that focus, that glory, that attention, when we hold on to it, eventually will destroy us. It'll eventually cause you problems because you were not created to hold on to that that glory, that weight, that honor that is due him and his name. It it crushes. And so it's important that we understand and we are intentional about not misusing his name. But here's the, here's the uh, and I know those are kind of heavy, so I'll, I'll get back to some good news. Here's the amazing thing. There's a reason why we can, we can commit those, those crimes, if you will, those spiritual crimes. And that is this. When God made you, when you came to know him, when you entered into a relationship with you, he gave you his name. It's hard, to, it's hard to commit identity theft without getting access to the information, getting access to the name. And God gave us his name. Like in a, in a marriage or, or when you have children, the, the husband or, or the kids, they take, you know, my wife and my kids, they took my name. And with that comes an implied access and authority. When I got married, Shannon got access 
and has the authority to do whatever she wants in the bank account. Because she took my name. When a person surrenders his life to Jesus and follows him, he is in essence taking his name. I mean, it, it sounds deep, but really, I mean, it's right there. Like, Christian. It's right in the name. We literally take it on. So how do we handle this name? How do we avoid these, these illegitimate, these, these crimes of, of commandment number three? Well, I'm going to give us, before we go, I just want to give us kind of four, four thoughts, four ideas, four things that we can search ourselves in the process of trying to use his name and put the proper honor on his name that, that it's, it's due. And the first one is this. Embrace the honor and the responsibility of having his name. Understand that we should be handling his name. Paul writes uh, that we are all living letters written by God to be read by all men. It is who we are. We are, you are created to handle the name of God. God wants to speak to you. God wants you to be able to accurately say, God said this. Kind of going back to our, our original point. It's not, that, it's not that we shouldn't be doing that. The Holy Spirit came so that he could speak in us, to us, and through us. It should be something that we pursue. We have to embrace that reality. Now, we have to, take, we have to embrace the, the responsibility of it. But we, we have to accept that that is now who we are. This is not, this is not you know, uh, an idea for those super, you know, the, just the guys on the stage and the, the, the super spiritual or the ones that have, you know, been in this thing for 30 years. This is the call to bear the name of Jesus and to speak his name, to say his name, to tell others what he said, to be guided by him in our, in our, in our lives, not, not just on the big things, not in just the top 10 that, that we're going through now, but guiding our individual lives. God has things to say and wants to speak into you and wants you to speak into the people around you and to give him credit for it. It's an amazing honor. It's an amazing responsibility. But there's a temptation to, to kind of see that as this like, either this next level sort of, you know, that's for the super, super Christians or, or to just not be taking enough, um, not ever catching that vision for yourself to where you begin to pursue that kind, of, that kind of life. So the first thing is we have to embrace and honor, uh, embrace the honor and responsibility of taking on his name. The second one I would say is that we need to establish a healthy reverence 
for his name and for, for him. You know, the, the Israelites, when they would, uh, when they were, you know, they had scribes that wrote the Bible and they would make copies as, you know, time went on. Um, there was, there was a, the, the, the proper name for God was almost never, almost never written down. They would use alternates because they revered his name so much. And in fact, in those, in those cases where they would come upon a, a, a place in the text that they were going to use his proper name, there was like a multiple day ceremony that the scribe would go through before he would even jot those four letters on the, whatever it was, the scroll or the parchment. I think it's a, it's an important part of our lives that we create for ourselves ways in which we cho- choose to show God honor in our, in our daily lives and to remind ourselves to revere him. One of the reasons why the, the Jewish culture has survived for so long and thrived and been able to keep, keep itself together is the they understood, and God gave them way back when, gave them rituals, gave them practices in their every day that constantly were reminding them who they were and who he was and how they were interacting, all these things. The, the Jewish culture is just riddled with, with, with ritual and symbology that helps them remember who they're supposed to be. It's the reason why multiple times throughout history they can, be, they can be dispersed literally throughout the world with no home of their own and still God can call them back and they still are able to keep their identity. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And I would encourage you to embrace that idea in your own life. What are ways that you are going to put into your life, even this week? They don't have to be huge most of them, in, in Jewish culture, most of them are not huge. They have big meanings behind them, but the acts themselves are, are, are simple. They're, they're, they're just built into their everyday occurrence. You know, praying before a meal, it's a very common one. But with the right intention, it's significant. You know, if, if we just commit to pray before your meal, that's three, or if you're like me, like seven times a day that you're going <laughs> to... Got to be honest, I'm, you know, talking about the Bible. hate to break one of the other ones while I'm teaching about this one. <laughs> that if we're intentional, we can acknowledge and honor the name of the Lord throughout our day. It doesn't have to be, it could be anything. What are the things that you can put in your day, in your rhythms of your life that will remind you to honor him? That will remind you that his name is different than all the other names? To remind you that you need to, to even stop and reflect through that day and say, is there, any, is there anything here? Is there anything coming up that I need to, I need to give God credit for? Either to him or to the people I'm with. Maybe just even starting your day off with, with that request. Say, Lord, show me today where you want me to speak your name. There's, that's become such a, a cultural statement. 
in the protest that we see coming. Say their name. Why? Because it's powerful. There's power in a name. So we need to establish a, a healthy reverence. The worship team, you can come, come up. Um, we're going to land here in a minute. Number three, uh, this kind of goes with what we were saying, but be quick to give God his props. Give credit where credit is due. Now there is a, um, I, I, have this, I, have, I have this reluctance sometimes in this because you don't want, like there's a fear that, that you don't want to come off churchy or holier than thou or um, come off as fake Right, so so there's this hesitancy to, to when someone gives you a compliment or or when something happens that you you don't want to say oh that was just God. But listen, if you really believe that it is, if that's what you truly believe, and you're not willing to say that, you've committed an offense. Listen, God, God, one of the main, like we, we talked about, we read many verses. God is, is very concerned with his namesake, with his, his name getting out there. One of the reasons why he does things in your life is so that you have something to tell other people about that he did in your life. If you want to see more, more of God's involvement in your life, you have to be willing to share that. Because most of the time, his impetus is the reason for doing it. His motivation is he wants to get it out. There's someone else he wants to get it, get it to or get it, and he wants to just get it through you. The supernatural especially is mostly attached to the expansion of the kingdom. If you want to see the supernatural, start pushing some borders. Start sharing who he is with people who don't yet know him. And it's risky, I get it, but that is the, that is the place where the supernatural, where God, that's the place where God gets really interested in breaking the rules. <laughs> And many of those conversations, much of them, much of the time, start by just sharing your story of God's involvement in your life. It's a really um, non-offensive way to open a door and see if, see if God's already working in the other person, if, if there's any interest there. I mean, you'll know, right? But when we share our story, when we give God credit for what he's doing in our life, the other person has an opportunity to engage or disengage without it feeling like you're forcing them to, to, to answer a question or put them on the defensive. So we need to be quick to give God his props. 
And then the final one, which we've kind of touched on a couple times, and that is to be slow to put his name on something that he hasn't already called dibs. There are certain things that are obvious, right? We can say, God said, don't kill people because he said it, right? We'll get to that one later. Um, There are things in scripture that we know are eternal truths that God has spoken and continues to speak. God loves you. God is passionate for you. God God forgives you. I can say those things with all the passion and all the conviction that I can muster into any person in the world's face and know for a shadow of a doubt that it's true. I'm not talking about those things. <laughs> I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the other things, the things that we seek God on, the things that, that are, are personal, the things that where he is, he is, we are looking for an answer in an area that is, is not, not black and white. It's, it, it's gray. It's, it's subjective. And now most of us, to be honest, most of us do not fall into the camp of, of struggling with this particular issue. Most of, most of us fall the other way. Most of us, it's like God has to, you know, land a plane on our house, come in with a big sign and like hold it into our face for a couple of days before we recognize that it was him. But there are some of us that, uh, whether it's, it's, it's an attempt to um, try and overcompensate for for a a lack of felt authority or if it's just spiritual laziness or defensiveness that we use his name far too glibly and we we're so fast to attach him to to certain activities or this happens or that happens and we're just oh god did that god did that god said this god said that we need to Take a beat, some of us. And give his name the honor it deserves. Make sure you have a conviction that it is, in fact, the Holy Spirit that has spoken. And it's not just something that, you know, intellectually, yeah, that sounds right. Also, there's just... There's also, we have to leave room for human error. You know, we, we don't hear, Paul said it, we, we see through a mirror darkly until he shows up for real, for real. Like we see through a mirror darkly and we should have the humility to, to breathe into our conversations with each other that reality. And to be honest, it doesn't affect the landing of what God really did say. To add in enough humility to give the other person um, the, 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 the honor of letting them evaluate what it is you're saying themselves. You know, I've had a, a num- many different conversations with people where the, that were impactful and later you know you find out that it was it was God in that moment that was that was saying something to them through what I was saying and many of the most like you know dramatic or ones that were just like very very significant for the other person these were not they weren't like words I wasn't telling them God said this it was just 
in conversation, something, something came out or it was something that I, I didn't, I, 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 I felt like I was supposed to say it, but I didn't really have a lot of confidence that I was, I was right. And so it came with a whole lot of qualifiers, right? Uh, I think maybe the Lord is sensing, I might be thinking this, but it may not be, I don't know, but here it is. God's word is God's word. And if we will speak it, it'll have impact. Your confidence in it is nice, but not necessary. Let us continue to pursue the honor of his name because it's a beautiful name. We're going to close in just a minute. So if you guys, if you guys want to stand, I want to just pray with you guys. And then I want to close our, our, our service with just a, a moment of, of speaking his name, of dedicating, um, rededicating ourselves to the honor and the lifting up of his name. So Jesus, we, we give you this time. God, we thank you that you have, you have given us your name to take. God, it's so amazing. God, forgive us for, for being lax with your name. Forgive us for those times where we have not given you the credit that you are due. Forgive us those times that we have used the name you've given us in unfounded ways. Spirit, would you, would you forgive us? Would you empower us even today as we, as we sing this final, the song again, God, would you, would you speak to each one of our hearts? Would you show us ways, give us ideas, give us creative ways that we can remind ourselves on, on, a, on a daily basis to honor you? God, as we sing your name, Would you breathe into us a new reality, a deeper love, a deeper respect for your name, for your activity, for your character in our life? We pray these things, amen.